All right, folks, we are back at it again this week for another lecture. With me always, the man, the myth, he just opened another fifth of Bodega Cat. He's the bee's knees. He's the horse's D's. Up on the ranking board of quality people, he is higher than giraffe nuts. That's AG over there chuckling on the mic. I'm your professor, CK, and we are about to hit you with another round of historical fun. What are we talking about today? We are going way back, but to something that's still standing. Um, We're talking today about the Colosseum, originally known as the Flavian Amphitheater. This place is cool as shit. Like it's it's stood the test of time. It's gone through a million different iterations. Thank God Just, they changed the name. Welcome to the Flavian Amphitheater. Well, they sort of messed up the name because they were. They just, we'll talk about where the name came from. Wasn't an amphitheater? It wasn't technically even an amphitheater, right? No, no, it was. Okay, we'll we'll get into that. But this whole entire thing is based on just. Italian ingenuity and Italian showmanship that is absolutely incredible. This wasn't the first amphitheater. Uh, they ripped off the Greeks, much like they ripped off a lot of stuff from the Greeks. But They based uh, everything on the Greeks. They were just, remember, they were like, we're the Greeks. We're just, we've taken everything and made it better. Yeah, I, and that's uh, that very well, I think, could be the Italian ethos is Greece. We're better than you. We take it from the Greeks. I mean, we make it the better. <laughs> I apologize because I'm probably going to do that several times, but that's that's not a front to actual Italians. We love you. Yeah, they they can handle it. They're pretty good at it. But uh, yeah, strap in, uh, get your togas ready because we are headed into the time machine and we are headed back to the early ADs. Let's get it. <laughs> So the Flavian Amphitheater, the Colosseum, constructed when they were giving me the dates. I was like, they're missing something because it just said I was constructed in seventy to eighty. Yeah, no shit. Huh? When you hear just seventy, it's like, where's the rest of the numbers? It's such a small span of time that you're just like, was that what Siri was that in Roman time yeah. or what was that? But no, seventy and eighty A.D. It was the builder was a guy named Vespasian. And Vespasian Flavius, he was the emperor starting in 69 AD, and he came after a guy that was uh, Nero. Problematic. Very, very problematic. Nero had quite the ability to really like himself. And over Nero's time, um, ended in what you would call probably a tragic death, but once we do an episode on him and you hear Nero's whole existence... This guy was rigging, like, Italian Olympic games so he could actually, like, beat everybody. Like, he was Kim Jong-un before Kim Jong-un. Yeah. Like, he was entering himself into, like, Italian Olympic style. This is that scene off The Dictator where Sasha Barrett Cohen takes off running, and then he fires the starting (laughs) pistol, and then as the guys get closer to him, he looks like he's going to shoot him. Just, he did shit like that. Um, he actually, after one of the big, big fires that took down Italy, I think this was in 60 AD. Uh, don't quote me on that. 
There was a huge fire. He went ahead and took over a really large swath of land in the middle of Italy or in the middle of Rome, uh, built himself an artificial lake, and he created what was called the Pleasure Palace. Yes. Nero's Pleasure Palace. Like, don't even be subtle about it. The Golden House is what it translates to, which sounds pretty sweet. Unfortunately, he was like, wow. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Allergies are taking a toll on me yet again, so I might go through puberty once, twice, five times during this whole thing. This is high school history. (laughs) Yeah, no shit. But uh, he he just, it was called the Domus Aurea, which it sounds super cool. I just like Pleasure Palace, man. Yeah. Um, after his death, he basically, well, before he died, he basically raided like all of the Roman coffers and took all of the money in the city to build this massive He used a lot of, he used the money and why he was so unpopular. He used the money for pet projects. They, they were projects that only served like his pleasure and his purpose. So he wasn't doing stuff for like the people. No. He was spending stuff on like flights of fancy. I don't get to use that term very often. (laughs) It's a good term. Yeah, it is. So with Nero, he ends up kicking the bucket, and the next guy up, there kind of becomes a civil war in Rome, and out of the ashes of the civil war... I think there were, what, there were three different, or there was either three or four emperors that came and went. Several people claiming the title. So the guy that ends up coming up is going to be Vespasian Flavius, and... At this point, he's determined he's going to be the anti-Nero. So what he does is he's like, heads up, people, this is what we're doing. To show you, and he starts this a year after coming in in 69 AD. He's like, to show you how fucking not Nero I am, what I'm going to do is I'm going to bulldoze the fuck out of Nero's pleasure palace, get rid of that lake, and then I'm going to build the grandest fucking amphitheater that you've ever seen so we can all get together and watch people kill each other in it. How's that sound? Everyone's like, fuck yes. So much of it was, it was definitely something to entertain the people, but it was such like a political parlor where anybody in government was always so close to each other because this place was massive. And we'll talk about the dimensions here in a second. Uh, Full disclosure, I've actually been there. Unfortunately, I was a lot younger and just ignorant to all of this when I was there, so I don't remember a whole lot of it. The grand scheme of this thing is massive, but the way that they had the structure set up for the seats, um, basically like everybody that was in power was concentrated into one area and they were all there. So any sort of political power plays or anything like that were taking place during these events that were happening inside the Colosseum. Also, side note, did you know that the Colosseum wasn't there when Caesar was alive? It sort of fucks up Gladiator, huh? No, no, no. So... Isn't Joaquin Phoenix, isn't he supposed to be a Caesar no, portrayal? apparently after after Caesar, like Julius Caesar, I think the Caesar became a title of the emperor. Really? Yeah, because what's crazy is... And then we got Tsar from that? Uh, no, no, Tsars were in Russia, maybe? Yeah, I but, don't know. Oh, that's, yeah. yeah. Um, no, I think Caesar became a title of someone that was emperor because unless the, okay. So I, unless the movie gladiator and I'm trying to look it up right now, unless it's totally wrong when they said Caesar, they were referring to their titles emperor. So that would like be saying King. I could believe that. Oh, go ahead. Just to get into the massive size of this thing and this, I mean, I, hearing this can't even do it justice. 
This thing sat, they said, between 50,000 and 80,000 people. Now, 80,000 was a bit of a stretch. They did have a larger top section that was made of wood that would eventually, wood, wood, uh, eventually burn down. Caesar is a title of imperial character, and it was derived from Julius Caesar. So apparently, this is about 100 years after Julius Caesar. So apparently at that time, it had been used as a, a title. Which yeah. is weird because, like, Caesar was fucking assassinated, so. Not everybody was a fan, but he That's probably true. I think had it was the guys, in, Yeah, the guys that he, that standed to lose the most were the guys that assassinated. I'm not saying Julius Caesar was a good guy by any means, but. No, he was kind of just indifferent. But the seating capacity averaged, they said, around 65,000 people. Now, 65,000 people was a larger population than the people that lived in Rome. So this was, there were people coming from far and wide to come see this spectacle. The dimensions total 600 feet long, 510 feet wide. So it wasn't a perfect circle. If most of you have probably seen the movie, if not, you should have seen fucking, you should see the movie and you should have seen pictures of the Colosseum. It's kind of an oval shape. Yep. It was done intentionally that way. An amphitheater is basically what they would consider there's a theater. Um, and a theater would just be one side. It would usually be into the side of a mountain, so you could carve the seating mm-hmm. down out of the mountain. An amphitheater is two sides to it, just connected together. Now, they had a lot of different ways that they could have done it. One of the reasons that they turned it into an oval instead of just a regular traditional amphitheater with being a circle, they could have gone square with it, they could have gone circular, but the ovular shape allowed it to be more of like a track, so there was more surface area and there were less places for anybody to get cornered in. So they did a lot of like reenactments oh, yeah. of battles and stuff as in, I'm, we're going to make so many goddamn references to the movie Gladiator. Firstly, cause I just recently watched it. And secondly, it's an amazing movie, but part of, you know, the planning of this, when, when we think about this kind of stuff, you know, about ancient Roman, ancient civilizations, the people that were like the architects and city planners were fucking geniuses. Yes. So this thing was constructed not just to be like, hey, let's just make a oval like seating area where people can just watch people kill each other on the ground. This thing was like a marvel of engineering. Not only like Adam was saying, like around could like average sixty thousand. It could hold up to eighty thousand. That it had been known to fit eighty thousand people. They built this thing with the intention of being able to do all of these different types of like forms of entertainment. So like you're saying with the chariots and everything, the oval was more conducive in case they wanted to do something that involved chariots because going around in an oval is easier because you have straightaways where you can try yeah. to like make speed up, speed ups. And then, you know, try to make lines of attack instead of just a circle of going around. And you can't go a square because when you're doing fighting in there, somebody can get trapped in a corner and just kill and then them immediately. Night. Yeah. And, I have so many fucking thoughts about the, the whole gladiator thing and, and kind of how that whole structure must work, but we're, we'll try to stay a little bit more on the, the in, initial origin of the, the Coliseum. This base covered an area of six acres. Just massive. They said that it was also on kind of like some wetlands. So in order to actually set the foundation, they had to set a foundation like 40 feet thick. And who fucking knew there was concrete? They invented it. They invented concrete. That was the only reason that this worked and the only reason that they were able to build this was because of the Roman invention of concrete. So how did they, do you think they figured it out? They just, you know, when they were quarrying, 
different types of natural stone to mm-hmm. build a whole bunch of stuff eventually did like that enough of that powderize and they swept it up and collected it and then all of a sudden added water to it and it made a fucking paste i'm not 100 percent sure of the makeup of concrete i know that there's limestone in it um there's a few other rocks probably and most likely what happened was they were working in a quarry and as they were carrying these different rocks out of different areas Mm -hmm. there was a good chance that there was a good amount of like sediment and powder that happened and then it rained one night and they came back the next day it dries out why is this solid that's literally just what i said yeah like it just it was just a a crazy that's what i think because like limestone had to be present there yeah well they they had limestone um travertine is something that we'll talk about here in a little bit it's another kind of a mineral rock um they had sandstone there that's probably as fucking simple as it is someone was cleaning up jerry was sweeping up oh yeah he swept (laughs) it up into a pile it got wet they came back the next day and they're like fucking jerry left a pile here and someone went to go kick it and it fucking shattered their foot (laughs) And they're like, what the fuck did Jerry do? He's a witch. That's how, and that's how Jarius Flavius Caesar invented concrete. What is it in the Flintstones? It was out of Flintstone Quarry. Or bedrock. Bedrock Quarry. Yeah. And he named it after his daughter, Concretia. That's right. <laughs> but so the invention of concrete basically allowed them to essentially build like much larger in scale because they weren't having to quarry actual stone and then carve those into the shapes they wanted. They could actually form concrete into shapes. Well, and you were building a, a solid base. You were building basically like it a... It was the footprint of the Coliseum uh-huh. and 40 feet fucking thick. Like, that's that's insane. Four stories thick. Down. Uh, and just the outside of it, the outer wall that circled it, which is only half there now, 157 feet tall. So what, that's 15 15 stories? stories. Yeah, which uh, I had to assume by all accounts had to have been the largest building in Rome for a very, very long time. Yeah, it was. When you see it now, like you're describing, so like pictures of it now, there's several angles that usually pop up in just a simple search of the Colosseum. But when you're looking at it, one of the more famous angles I'm going to show you, that one, where you get to see all of it. So you get to see the very top tier, then the second tier, and it's kind of like broken at an angle. And then you get to see the main tier. But what you don't notice is that not only is that bottom tier, that's three separate levels in. Yeah. So like if you're thinking about it as a from a pro stadium standpoint, think of it this way. One level, the outer concourse is like where all the walkways are. You go then into the inner concourse toward your seats more. And that's like concession stands and shit. And then you go to the inner concourse and that's your seat. So not only was it insanely tall, huge, like, large array. What was the, um, I can't remember what the circumference was. We'll have to look it up later. Yeah. But it was insanely thick because not only did you have stadium seating, so it went down to the floor and then it rose up, you had all of these, like, walkways. It had fucking above, like, the first concourse. It had luxury boxes. Oh, well, we'll get into how all that worked because this, out of everything about this, the way that they were able to get people in and out just blows my fucking mind. So 157 um, feet tall in the entire, if you look at it, you can actually see pictures. It looks like there's alcoves, like the arched Mm -hmm. archways. First of all, 
when you look at it and you're not seeing anything to scale except the Coliseum, you're looking at it and you're like, oh, I bet that a person could walk through that. I bet, like, you know, if you stood there, the person would take up half that. Yeah. Fuck no. Not even close. Like, those archways are enormous. And in every single one of those archways, there was a 16-foot statue dedicated to the gods or heroes of, like, Roman Greece. A hundred and fucking 60 of them. That's how much, like, I, I don't, the amount of money that they sunk into this to build this is the crown fucking jewel of Rome. This was the crown jewel of Rome. Yeah. Like, think of the nicest football stadium. Fuck that. Fuck that football stadium. When you would see this thing in its heyday, these statues, all handcrafted statues, 160 of them, 16 fucking feet tall. That's what fit in those alcoves, 16 feet tall. Not only that, along the very top of it, polished bronze shields that were supposed to signify all of the defeated enemies of Rome. Uh, and now you see, after it's been looted and pillaged, there's just holes from where those things were actually sunken in. But prior to that, you would have to imagine, like, if you're walking up and you're a mile away, you can definitely see this from a mile away. If not, hear it. Yes. Yeah. Uh. And you just see the sun shining off of those bronze, basically, shields up there. You just know that you're going to a spectacle. Yes. Like, to try to wrap your mind around seeing, like, pres or that time period when everything was whole and solid. The just stones were darker. Everything was just like, and it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't the color that it is today. That's well, just years of dirt and grime that have stuck to that. No, it's because it was covered in 3.5 million cubic feet of travertine tiles. And since it was, yeah, 3.5 million cubic feet. It was of white, wasn't it? Yeah. But, now, over time, after they've gone through, just like the bronze shields, they were pulling those travertine tiles off after the Colosseum kind of fell out of vogue, which we'll talk about. They were using it to build other things. And instead like fucking of, churches, huh? Yeah, yeah. Instead of going to the quarry and just getting more travertine out, they're like, oh, fuck, this is right here. And this leads into something very crazy. Um, out of that 3.5 million feet of travertine tiles that covered the outer wall, there was zero mortar used. There was... 300 tons of iron clamps that held it to the side of the building. So there was nothing to stick it to the wall, but the iron clamps that were used to hold the travertine in place. That's even more insane. Someone had to go through and position and put in those iron clamps for each of those fucking tiles. It's fucking yeah. insane. And not to mention, like, if one broke, you could just pull the iron clamps out. You could put a new piece of tile oh, in shit. there. Like it just... That's how fucking smart that shit yeah. is. Because it... you would think now we fucking mortar everything. Mm-hmm. Just absolutely incredible. And as wild as that sounds, the fact that they did that, they had the first awning. Like, we have retractable roof stadiums mm -hmm. now. There was something that was called a valerium, and it was held up by 200 mast corbels that were on the top. And they were just long. How long were the masts? Uh, it, it said that it was enough to cover, I think it was two-thirds of the, the Coliseum. It could cover the entire audience section while still leaving the middle yeah. area, I think uncovered and but again any sort of weather or anything like that we're talking about them using an awning in the 70 AD yes again go see gladiator it shows that so basically if and these are kind of coming back into like patios and pergolas mm -hmm. it looks like the two it's a piece of fabric on two pieces of line that has the eye eyelets in it yeah and you can pull it out above you to stretch it out and then if you don't want to, you push it back in accordion style. It's like a sunsetter retractable roof. Commercial. That's what these things were. 
the, out on those posts, they essentially had pulley systems. And so when they would want it covered, they would pull in the rope on the pulleys and it would bring the material, whatever it was, linen or whatever, the canvas, out and it would cover the crowd out to that point. If they wanted to retract them, pull the pulleys the other way and it pulls it right back. It was so high tech that they actually took members of the Roman Navy and kept them in working on the Colosseum. And that was their one job was to make sure that they were rolling Valerium in and out. So they had naval members that were used to running masts out on ships. Uh-huh. They were just there specifically to run the awning over the Colosseum. Just working the roof? Yeah. Like, oh, you're in the Roman Navy? Yeah. What do you do for the Roman Navy? Uh, you know when it gets really sunny over the Colosseum? Like, yeah. It's like, I'm the guy that runs the awning out to cover you guys up. You're in the Navy? Yeah. <laughs> So the arena was actually about 272 square feet. Wait, oh, how did you write that? Oh, 127 feet times by, Jesus Christ, I can't read. (laughs) 272 feet by 157 feet. Again, kind of in an oval shape. And it had a wooden floor covered in sand. Which... The sand was there primarily to just soak up blood. And before we get into the real kind of nitty-gritty and the grossness of it, the way that this whole thing was built was it had um, 80 ground-level entrances, and 76 of them were used by the public. In order to get in, they would give you a shard of pottery with your entrance um, number on it. Yeah. Your gate. And then as you walked in, the lead-out, they were called, like, Vomitars or something like that. I, I forgot. It's just a bad, I just butchered a, an Italian word real bad. But it was an entrance to get out into your seating. So like a, what would they call it now? Like a tunnel basically to exactly. go out yep. into the seating. Mm-hmm. Each one of those was numbered. So you would know exactly where to go in and exactly where to sit. They said that it would be a matter of minutes if there was any accident or anything that happened inside for them to get out. And it was called like a vomitar or something like that, which gets translated into vomit for mm-hmm. English. And it just means a quick exit. So it, it was literally, I mean, they had it down to where if they had an issue, they could get people out quick. I but think they said they could empty the stadium in like 20 minutes. They're just super duper fast. But to think that they were that technologically inclined to be like, we're going to give you a shard of pottery that has your entrance number and then where you need to go in your section. Mm-hmm. Like, that was just what they did. All the sections were numbered, so they knew exactly where they had to go. It was basically like the first modern-day ticket to an event. Yeah. The the civil engineering aspect of this thing is fucking insane. Yeah. And so, so one of the other things that they had here was called the hypogeum. Mm-hmm. So, now, was it Titus that did the hypogeum, or was it Ves- Vespasian? Domitian, the the youngest, the Vespasian's youngest son. So this was after um, Domitian, Domitian, whatever his name was. Um, this was after Titus. Titus, unfortunately, was only around for like a couple of years. But basically, the easiest way to explain it, Vespasian started this right around 70 AD. Um, ends up com- kicking the bucket in 69 AD. So he doesn't even get to see the no, completion. 79. Or yeah, 79, sorry. He yeah. didn't go backwards. Um he ends up not living to see the opening of it. His son Titus is the one that opens it in and commemorates the opening ceremonies to his father. And they have what is called the hundred days of games. 
Now, the 100 days of games, you just think about like anything like the Olympics or anything like that. This was 100 straight days. I think it was actually even longer. It might have been like 123 or something like that. But these days were the full-on craziest days that you could And these were not like, hey, we're going to have 100 days of events. So it's like each event starts at 5 o'clock, and they're doing like one event a day. No, 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 no. This is 100 days of full days of events. You have three basic sections. Oh, also, I... We missed this in the beginning. But. I think okay. I think we have to go back because I want to talk about the hypogeum just from a structural standpoint yeah. of what the actual Colosseum consists of, and then we could talk about what actually took place in it. Well, and even before that, we need to talk about how it was funded. Yes. Go okay. Go so, you do, go good. Yes. The funding that Vespasian put forward for this. How does one normally fund yeah, the things back in these well, days? Funding and then construction uh, back in ancient Roman times. Uh, Where did you get your money? (laughs) Like we talked about, after Nero, Rome was damn near bankrupt. Uh, Vespasian had made kind of his name in war. He was a a war general that kind of came from nothing and did some pretty incredible things. Uh, Vespasian paid for the Colosseum, excuse me, by uh, sacking Jerusalem in the first uh, Jewish temple, I believe it was in Jerusalem. I think it was Titus. That no, actually did that. Uh, it might have been Titus, but Vespasian was the one that was in when it happened. Correct. And so the reason that they know this is next to the Colosseum <laughs> is this big arch. And the arch literally, like in carvings, tells the story of how they stole all this shit from Jerusalem and brought it back. And that's what funded the Colosseum. And the Colosseum, just to kind of put in perspective, it wasn't all the money that they had taken from the temple or from the city. This was just Vespasian's portion of what was sacked and brought back to Rome. Yes. So this was just totally paid out of his pocket. I'm sure that was probably somewhat of a lie because I don't know how you could pay for such a, a large thing. Just depends on how much fucking the, the way share. the picture was, and it's like it, it was like to leave no doubt who they fucking robbed from. It showed one guy carrying a fucking menorah, one yeah. guy carrying a Quran. <laughs> And another guy carrying, like, it wasn't a crucifix because that would have been the Christianity. It was another religious, like, symbol. So it's like we stole from all these. <laughs> like, yeah. they documented yep. them, like, robbing from all of them. Well, and there's no writings or proof of this, but just commonly how Romans worked. Uh, they had to have a lot of people to build this. And so more than likely, there's no written accounts of this, but just modus operandi for how Romans did it. There's a great chance that after they sacked that Jewish temple, they brought a lot of Jewish folks back to help build this. If anything, you can probably, it's a safe assumption for any type of project like this. Slave labor. That the, yes. <laughs> so especially the making of the concrete, the dangerous stuff, the pouring of like the huge foundation, any of the heavy lifting, but then you also had the expensive aspect of like all of these expert craftsmen to yeah. make these statues. So I, any of that work that those guys weren't doing that they could afford to get away with using slave labor, I'm sure they did to spend the money on the other shit. Yeah, uh, unskilled labor, always free because they were slaves. Anything else they were going to be making money with. So yeah, that's that's how it was funded. <laughs> what was the next thing we were going to do before uh, the hypogeum? Um, I think we can get into the hypogeum. Okay. Now, uh, before we talk about the hypogeum, understand that 
during the first hundred days and the first things that they were doing, the hypogeum didn't exist. Mm-mm. The hypogeum was put in after Titus uh, died. He only ran with this for two years. He was so only in power for two years. Vespasian, then his son Titus, then Domitian. Domitian, who is Titus's son? Uh, no, it was Vespasian's younger younger son. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, because the other one hadn't had a son. Mm-hmm. That's right. Okay. So, and again, this doesn't, this isn't here the entire time. So it starts out as a wooden floor covered with sand. Basically, like Adam was saying, the sand is there to kind of soak up the blood, like kitty litter. <laughs> it's like Roman kitty litter. And so eventually Domitian adds this um, feature and tears out the floor and digs, I would say, two to three stories down. At least two. Yeah, it was probably maybe if, 15 to 20 feet. Could okay, be. so if you ever are looking at pictures of the inside of the Coliseum and it's for, you know, nowadays and everything, you're going to see a little area that people can walk out on. What that air is, that signifies the arena floor. Yep. It looks out over basically what looks like catacombs. It's a labyrinth is what a it looks like to me. But like just the walls of the labyrinth. Yeah. So you also have to imagine that in with all of this stone and concrete is a ton of wood structures built on this. So Domitian digs all of this out, creates a system of catacombs. What these walls are actually for is they're dividing up like sections and areas where you can keep stuff like animals and other, you know, gladiators and all kinds of shit. Well, you also have proof or can we call proof at this point considering that they built that thing oh and absolutely okay. cap stands yeah okay okay and so this all why would you do this why would you build something you underneath can. the floor for that because you can is it that or is it because you want the pageantry of these shows to be so great that you're able to drop part of the arena floor yes because and you have can. a gladiator that's, I'm, that's what i'm like, getting at you do it because you have the ability to do it for whatever fucking reason you yeah. want. Like what's, like what's gonna? Okay, you've been going. To, you you've been a big, you know, fan of the Coliseum for years. You've been going to these things. What if like, like they do sometimes? You know, we're closed down for a remodel. The Coliseum is going to be closed this season. Yeah. Whatnot. And everyone's like, boo! The first time you go back to the Coliseum, you're watching like two guys just fight it out, and all of a sudden. The sand looks like it drops out and a fucking tiger jumps out of the goddamn ground. It, can you imagine the, like, of, no one's going to fucking know that that's going to happen. You realize that. like, Yeah, that's, it's just magic. Like, yes. It's, it's the show that's being put on in front of you where things can just appear in the middle of the, the arena floor. Okay. So how does, that all, how does that all happen? What do you design for that to happen? Well, you design a fucking elevator, basically. You, you build one of the first elevators. And the way that they kind of figured this out, there was uh, a, like a German archaeologist or something, and he was studying the inside of the Colosseum and everything, and noticed down in the Hypogeum, or wait, Hypogeum, sorry, there were all of these notches in the actual brick walls. And these notches looked like they were um, recessed, like indentations and everything, uh-huh. to basically hold on to. Like a wooden structure a wooden to hold structure it in, place. in place. And he's like, okay, well, what fucking wooden structure would be in place? Well, then he's walking along on the ground, 
and he sees what do they call them? Capstans. Capstans, and basically a capstan. You see it in some movies. Uh, pirate ships have them, kind of like where they're always always raise up the anchor. That's a version of a capstan. Could be, yeah. It just has the tilt wheel at the top or the pushing wheel at the mm-hmm. top. So capstan would be this big circular log or whatever put into the ground in like a groove in the ground. And you would have guys with poles attached to it move around in a circle. This in turn would turn the capstan. And up at the top, you would have a, like a cog. It kind of looked like that cog. Basically just something to have a rope go around it. Mm -hmm. It That rope in turn would pull a pulley system that would then raise a cage up a structure. And once it got to the top, there was another release that would then lower a trap door from the arena floor while opening the cage and the animal would be able to run out of the cage and up into the arena. Animals, gladiators, uh, stage props. They were sending anything and everything that they could 28 of them. They built, they had yeah. found signs of 28 of these things. So you had 28 different areas on the arena floor that could just drop at any moment. And a beast could rise up. A second gladiator could rise up. Just that kind of showmanship and pageantry just to me takes this whole thing to another level. Because basically what's going on is everybody is showing up to the Coliseum just for death. Like, for Mm -hmm. death in a show. And the fact that they cared enough about this to, like, make it a fancy death or to make it, like, something exciting, like there's turns going on. This, to me, feels so much like just a wrestling show. Like, somebody, Undertaker appears to come up through the ring and take somebody down to hell. Like, just... Every single thing just feels like it was built for the audience's entertainment. At the highest stakes. Yeah. Death. But yeah, like I, like how you would go in there and you would go and you would see the gladiators and you're like, okay, but how's this guy gonna die? Cause what's gonna pop out and kill this guy? <laughs> like if this gladiator doesn't kill him, what do they got for us today? And as far as like what they I have a hard time trying to keep focus on this topic because there are so many yeah places to go here between the types of events and shit that they did. Okay. So we've established the Hypagian was able to basically, it served as like a locker room and, and then essentially, yeah. And that's what the, that's what I was going to try to say. The documentary Coliseum Roman death trap. And as soon as it said Roman death trap, I was just like, Oh God, I just heard myself be like, "Uh." (laughs) but the, the sheer fact of, of what, they brought into this place is insane. Yeah. And just to get back, we're going to rewind back to Titus, this inaugural hundred days. I'm going to lay out a typical day. In Tell one me of if I got plans days. to go to the Coliseum, what my day looks like. <laughs> so show up early in the morning. I'm sure you're trying to beat the Roman heat. Um, your first event that you're going to see is going to be the hunts. I stop at one of the, the street vendors outside. Yeah. And then as I pass underneath the winged chariot pulled by the bronze horses and everything like that, I'm eating my uh, my kebab or whatever I have at that point. They probably stole that from from somebody. I would assume. But you just had uh, a bag of spaghetti like Charlie. On all yep, side. exactly. I carry a, a bag. They just give you literally a clay pot of spaghetti that you can just carry wherever you want to go. So the mornings were always reserved for what were called animal hunts. Now, animal hunts went two different ways. They would release these animals out into the arena floor. Which had been dressed up like a jungle. They would wheel in these, like, 
I don't know if they were on carts or if they had to bring out pots. Can you imagine the scenery fucking changes yeah. that this thing went through during the day? Like they brought out these giant plants to turn the floor of this into a jungle where spectators could still see and watch and everything. Oh, and the people that were sitting there, the closest people, the wall was only 12 feet. Not high. Not high. I mean, no. you know, most people back then weren't six feet or whatever, but being able to just watch down on that kind of shit from that front row. Ooh. Would you feel comfortable sitting 12 feet above a lion? No, I wouldn't. You, If you'd never seen one before, can you imagine that? You're like, what's this thing? And it fucking just tries to... I wouldn't feel comfortable, but can lions jump that high? <laughs> I I would imagine that it would uh, there would be angry enough animals trying to. I would escape. imagine there were attempts. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, and uh, they were bringing in elephants. Oh, and by the way, um, it also wasn't just that. Uh, completely going around the inside of the coliseum, uh, there were elephant tusks. Oh really? Yes, pointed inward toward the coliseum. Huh. So. One of the things that they would do during these animal hunts, we're not talking about like a couple animals. Uh, it was alleged in, in some writings, they said that over 9,000 animals were killed in the first 100 days. And their animals that they used, I got to find it here because the list was just incredible. So they were importing animals from Africa and the Middle East. Again, keep in mind that at this point, the Roman Empire is is enormous. Yeah. Parts of North Africa, a bunch of like, uh, like what would be like Persian, Arabian, all that area. Egypt. And then also like they had where France was, Germany was, I think parts of England and then into like Eastern Europe. So they had a huge swaths of land to be pulling fucking animals from. And again, during these, this is the thing that I think, it, this wasn't just a Roman thing. So like everyone is like, yeah, it's it's in Rome and everything. Since Rome ruled this huge, vast empire, you have a hundred days of games. This isn't just like, you don't just go down to the gym and be like, hey, you guys are going to fight each other in the Colosseum in front of 60,000 people. When this thing was getting completed, this wasn't just the first time gladiator fighting and shit had just happened. It wasn't like Colosseum is built. Let's invent something for it. The the man against man combat thing had been around for fucking ever. So you have all of these places within the Roman Empire. It Man, I'm going to keep fucking going back to this. <laughs> it's like in Gladiator when he gets taken essentially into basically like Morocco or some shit or <clears throat> into... I can't remember where he ends up getting taken first, <clears throat> but there's these, every town would kind of have these little arenas to have these kind of fights. <clears throat> there we go. And so you would have a farm. It was basically a farm system for fucking gladiators. And they then had you, gladiatorial schools that were built around the Colosseum that they were taking these people into. So you got to imagine that like when you saw someone fight in the Colosseum, you were seeing a fucking artist at this craft. You were seeing the top person from whatever place he was from because not only before the Coliseum opens, as a gladiator, first of all, you have to be good at not getting killed and then good at killing. But as you become, like, and you want to become more popular, you have to then find a way 
to entertain the crowd. Well, the crowd doesn't want you to just kill the fucking guy as quickly as possible. That's fucking boring. If they came for an afternoon and this was supposed to be an all-day affair, I would expect some of these matches would have lasted 15, 20 minutes in some situations. Yeah. And as a, as a showman, as weird as this boils it down to, if you're a gladiator and your craft is that, it's killing somebody, but you want to entertain the crowd and have them lingering on every fucking movement you make, you have to know how you can wound someone and how to avoid getting wounded to where they're going to kill you. And they're doing the exact same thing. So like yeah, these, non, non-lethal blows were a big part of these events. Yeah. And so again, the, the misconception is that all gladiator combat ended with the, you know, kill him or let him live or anything like that. Some of them did. Some of them did, <laughs> but it depended on how the opponents fought. So if you had an amazing battle what would be the point of taking two of these amazing guys, one just barely beating the other one and killing him? If it was crazy and it was an insane, like close knit battle, run it fucking back. That yeah. would entertain the crowd even more. So if the crowd was like cheering for the opponent, did you know that they gave them the thumb down to let them live? So the permission of the thumbs up. Oh, was to kill. Yes. So like, do I that have permission sense. to kill him? And he would give him the thumbs up. Do I have permission to kill him? If the cheers were going in the affirmative, like they liked him, he gave the thumbs down like that. Nope, don't fucking do it, dude. He lives to fight It just seems day. from an entertainment value. Okay. Given the thumbs down is like, kill him. But, so these guys that you were seeing were these guys that had fought so many fucking fights before and had developed this craft. So you could get these guys, like we were saying, in epic 20-minute battles, and then at the end, one of them is about ready to kill the other one. He gets the signal... Guess what? We're doing a rematch in two weeks. Like during that hundred. So not only that, but like they're coming from all over to take up a hundred days of these events, especially the battles, the big ones. You had to have people coming from all these different countries, man. This wasn't just a Roman thing. This was a hundred day celebration of a fucking nation. And that's really what it was. And these days, um, before we tap into how they went beyond just the the animal hunts in the morning, I gotta pee. Okay. Hey guys, while we're taking a break, we got something for ya. Socials! Yay! Hey, if you would be inclined, we'd really appreciate it. Jump on over to Instagram, and if you don't already follow us, go to Historically High Pod. Give that little follow button a a little push. We're going to send out stuff about upcoming episodes, and it'll kind of give you a peek into what's to come. Um, If they don't like Insta, whatever, um, what do they do about tweeting us? You can tweet us at historically high. That's historically H I. And we also have our new threads that we started. Um, same as Instagram social. As far as that goes, historically high pod. And if you have email is your thing, we love emails. We love hearing from you guys. It's historically high podcast at gmail.com. Again, like rate, subscribe. You know what to do. So getting back in, um, animal hunt. You have your, I'm sure, Italian uh, meatball sandwich for breakfast, and you would go into these animal hunts. And as Chris said, they would set up these elaborate like forest stages or jungle stages, and they would release an animal. Now, what we were talking about earlier, just the amount of animals that they killed, eight thousand in these first hundred days of these games. Did you see what it clocked out to be per season when this thing was up and going? 
It was like 20,000 or something. 11,000 animals a season. Wow. And the fact that they called it a season. They had like an operating yeah. season. Like, well, it's I'm, called a CM season. I'm sure in the summertime it was probably way too fucking hot to do anything but a few things. It's too hot for the killings. So, the animals that they brought in to fight. Uh, rhinoceroses, or rhinoceros. Rhinos. Hippopotamus, we'll get to. That's going to be something that just has completely blown my mind. They fought elephants, giraffes. Um, they brought in so many elephants, they almost they led to the extinction and contributed massively to the extin- extinction of the northern African elephant. That's how many elephants they were killing. Uh, Barbary lions, panthers, oh, leopards. the Barbary lion? That's also why there's no more Barbary lion. Just because they fucking because they were this. they can you imagine how much it would have sucked to have been a cool animal within a close proximity oh, to yeah. Rome? Anything dangerous, they were just anything capturing. dangerous and awesome within a travel distance of Rome was just instantly targeted. Panthers, leopards, bears, Caspian tigers, which I'm probably betting went the same way as the Barbary lions, uh, crocodiles to go along with the hippopotamuses. Again, we'll talk about that, and ostriches. So 12-foot wall, uh, giraffe probably 16 feet. You're eye-to-eye level with these giraffes. The other fun part about these hunts was this was so the hunters could go in and kill them, but sometimes the hunters were not successful and the animals were successful. So it was a, basically like a dual hunt. Like you were hunting that animal. That animal was so scared of being in that confined space and somebody chasing after it. That animal was going to start hunting. There was you. usually multiple people hunting after one animal and everything. But yeah, the animal did win sometimes. But like when we see the animal won, like it killed one of the guys. Yeah, for, and then like the other one ran up and killed the animal. For now, the animal yes. won. Um, you would take a lunch. Now, luncheon is when the... They would also fight animals against each other. Yeah, yep. So they would be like, what would happen if we put a hippo and a crocodile and <laughs> fought them? And the people in Rome were like, fuck it, do it. And that was uh, leading into lunch. Lunch was when the the higher nobility sometimes would leave and the fans would be treated. It's hot out, Richard. I would like to retire for the afternoon. Fans would be treated then to just straight up executions. Prisoners, anybody that was bring us to the die. Christians. Yeah, they they would just load them up on crosses and just kill them in front of all these people. And just what you were talking about, they would do things. Hey guys, called- um, we're gonna take a quick break from the animal hunts. Um, we're gonna be back at it in a couple hours. But if you guys want to hang around for the Christian killings and the um, alleged yeah, Christian killings, if you guys want to stand stay around for a bunch of just like prisoner of war killings, and then after that, folks, gladiators. Yeah. Uh, one of the ways that they would also do executions, just like you were talking about, they're called ad bestias, where they would just send criminals out there and they would release the lions and they would just be torn limb from limb by these animals in front of tens of thousands While of people. While people are literally up in the stands. Guys, you have to remember people are people. So the same way people act at sporting events now are the same way that they acted back then. So you know that there were people up there with their buddies being like, okay, which one's going to get it next? And they were making bets with each other on which one the lion yeah. was going to kill next. They're like, I bet it's going to be that guy. He's like, oh my God, he got him. Pinto Ron was just up there having himself, having himself just a blast up in the stands. So as you alluded to, um, after lunch and everybody came back. Again, people, full concessions at, at this place. You could just go Bathrooms, out. toilets, they literally had everything inside. It had place. running water in the place because the Romans were fucking masters of the aqueduct. 
And uh, another thing too that we're gonna get to is gonna it blew my fucking mind. I don't know if I believe it. I do. I just it seems too fucking crazy to yeah. be honest with you. It, it seems too good to be true, and we'll talk about it here in a second. But the afternoons were always reserved for what you were talking about earlier. These gladiator fights, main event, baby. Now in these main events. This is where I think Gladiator the movie gets it wrong because a lot of it is just regular hand-to-hand combat where everybody kind of seems to have the same weapons. Mm -hmm. But they actually had characters. And these characters were just... Just have characters because when you you told me that phrase, I think of characters because, again, the, the closeness of professional wrestling to this shit is fucking insane. Oh, yeah. So, like, I thought you meant characters as in, like, Undertaker, Stone Cold, like that. You mean classes. So they would have characters within their classes because they could be like, I'm trying to think of a name like Rodimus or some shit like that. And Rodimus would be a fighter in this class and the classes would fight against each other. But there were like, like a D and D class, like a barbarian or yeah. a wizard. So you had a uh, secutor, secutor. And this guy was kind of the, if you think of gladiators, this is kind of what you think of like a helmet <coughs> A short sword, a short sword, and a shield. <coughs> you then had an, is it an Eretarius? Uh, yeah, <coughs> I believe that was one of them. So an Eretarius is the one you see again. Back to Gladiator, there actually was a class, the guy that had the net. Oh, that was a Retarius. Eretarius. Oh, I guess it's an yeah R can make that and. So basically he would have a trident and a net and he was like, they had themes, like he was like a nautical themed yep. fighter. He was basically shit. like a mariner. Yes. And so, and that's one of the things I was watching that and I was like, what, why did, how did that guy get a, why does that guy only get a fucking net? I'm like, that guy seems like he got gypped. No, the net and the, basically your trident, you throw a net over someone and then you just bum rush them and they can't go to block you and you just stab with your trident. Apparently it was a very effective class. Yeah, it was a weighted net. And those are my favorites just because out of, Thinking of any gladiators or anything like that, you're thinking like shield, sword, they just go at it. No, this guy had a net and a trident. Like yeah. two of the, the most odd things that you could mm-hmm. see on land, and that's what this guy was fighting with. But as we were talking about earlier, I think it was the number was something like only 15% of these guys actually were killed in these battles. Yeah. And they actually were able to go through when they were excavating, like, the graves that were coming up from where they were putting gladiators that died. And they were actually seeing on skulls that there was healing going on in the bones. Yeah. So these were guys that were taking blunt force shots to the head, then were healing, then were coming back into battle and fighting over and over and over Mm -hmm. again. That's what I'm saying, dude. You have, like, fan favorites. I think it does kind of because in Gladiator, I should we should just, <laughs> we're just gonna make that, and I'm just gonna insert in Gladiator when they bring back the guy to fight Maximus, and he's like a gladiatorial legend. He's like the legendary Titanus of Gaul. There were guys like that that were like known gladiators. Few of them, you know, there weren't a ton of them that won their freedom because a lot of them didn't want freedom. Like in a weird way, when they had that level of like fame. Maybe that was just their lot in life. Well, and, uh, and and they never, and after they got done fighting, if they were freed and they couldn't come back and fight, like what, what's keeping them in, in the spotlight? Gladiators were not statesmen. Um, they weren't given rights as far as like a voting share or anything like that. 
they were looked at as basically entertainers um, along the lines of, excuse me, like prostitutes or skin merchants. Like, um, what if we didn't let, if we didn't let rock stars vote or own property and kept them in servitude? That would kind of be like gladiators. They're there bit. to entertain us and can achieve huge levels of like stardom. But in essence, they really have nothing but that. Yeah. I, they have I, no freedom. They got them girls. The The women in the crowd absolutely just were gaga over these gladiators, which I'd have a hard time arguing that you couldn't not enjoy them to that extent because these dudes are big, strong, rippling men that are out there. Like the, the definition like, of masculinity. You know what that is? That's like going with, like, if you have a you know, girlfriend or wife and you went with her to see, like, Magic Mike. Yeah. And you're sitting there and you're watching it and you somehow are thinking in your head, yeah, she's thinking about fucking me right now. During nah. these events, nah. you're not on your wife, girlfriend, mistresses, whatever's mind. They're, they're watching these guys and that's all they're thinking about. Yeah. And they they had, just as you were talking about, like, cliques and basically, like, fan clubs where there would be graffiti that would be found around the city like supporting these different gladiators. Mm -hmm. Well, at the same time, these were people that were treated as basically that just performers. As soon as they were done, they were put back in the cage. Yeah. Like, like like a circus animal is basically what it is. And a a death of a gladiator would come with a payout to the gladiatorial house that he was in. A ludus. Is that what they would call it? If you've ever watched the series Spartacus, blood and sex, no blood, sorry, blood and sand. It, it, yeah, I called it blood and sex because it has a lot of sex in it. A lot of penises. But, yeah, but it, it's actually not. A, it's a shameless, violent show, but it's actually somewhat entertaining at some points. It follows like a gladiatorial ludus in a smaller town, and their whole goal, the guy is, he's like, oh, I want to get my fighters to Rome. That's a bad time for both of us to yeah, take that was a, a little quiet, awkward pause. So that would be how these days would go, is mornings, animal hunts, and all that kind of stuff. Lunch would just strictly be executions, like just people getting crucified, uh, these ad bestias where they were just sending animals out to tear these people apart. Uh, In between intermission, I'm sure when they were moving like sets and the people that were on the crosses out and all that kind of stuff, magicians and acrobats would come out and perform for the crowd. So you would just see like, 15 or 20 criminals being condemned and killed. And then as they were carting all of them off, there was like acrobats out there. Yeah. It's juggling it's the guy <laughs> at a live show doing crowd work to the audience. All right. Who wants some t-shirts? People we are going to fire off the bam, bam, bam. Instead of t-shirt guns, they just had a magician out there, which what could a magician be like in the, the 70 AD, 80 AD? Uh, like, is he just fire. out there, like, pulling his thumb off and showing The guys that, like, breathe fire. Okay. And do shit like that. Uh, contortionist, maybe. Not like birds out of a hat, something like that. I mean, just thinking about a, a pre-medieval magician seems like it would be a blast to watch just whatever he could do. But can you imagine he starts getting booed and he's like, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. You just see. All of a sudden, one of the trap doors, he hears a click. You just hear. Oh, shit. I thought that was over. Not Mm. over. I was that bad. Okay. But getting to something that you and I have danced around a lot when I was holding back on hippopotamuses and crocodiles. Allegedly, and I believe that this was true just based on the drainage and aqueduct system that was underneath it. Before the um, hypogeum hypogeum was put in, they would actually flood the stage floor 
and they would bring in small replica, um, like they called, they were flat bottom boats, but they were basically like, they would do recreations of naval battles, like Greek naval battles. And not recreations in the fact that it would just be like fake weaponry. They would put condemned men on these ships, which would With, then, like, no weapons. Yeah. And shit, they're just like, oh, by the way, like, and then just push them out on the boat. And then all of a sudden, off the other side of the arena would come, like, the gladiators on these other boats with just, like, <laughs> weapons and shit. Like, hurling, like, spears and fire at them. And they would basically kill these guys and sink these boats and, and these the prisoners would drown. And that was, like, one of the shows. Yeah. So hey. I don't know if I believe this, but, like... Thinking about it, if the hypogeum wasn't there, you couldn't, of course, do it once the hypogeum was no. there because of that. Yeah, there's not enough room, not enough depth. No, in the water. dude, I'm not, not even. Can you? From what we both saw, it was when the hypogeum was there because the drainage tunnels were built as part of the hypogeum. Okay, here's why I can and can't believe it. There were the guy found the drainage tunnel and yeah. he found proof of four other ones. Leading out the hypogeum. These things were huge, by the way. These drainage tunnels, it's not like a gutter. Big enough for like a guy to walk through. Oh, yeah. And there were four of them leading away from the arena. So they're like, why would they have these huge drainage tunnels? Maybe sewage or something like that. And so... If it rained, they would have to... There was a huge storm just within 20 years at the Colosseum or over in Rome. And the Colosseum received over 800,000 gallons of rainfall, water and rainfall. Enough to fill up half of the hypogeum. So, like, that's at least 10 feet of standing water, if not more. Yeah. It drained in, I think, two hours out of one of the outlets. Then they found around the arena, like, in the 12-foot wall, around 40 or... Hold on, I wrote it down. 40 fill channels where they could pipe water in through these aqueducts that, by the way, they could find aqueducts as far as 50 miles away. And they had like... Just up in the mountains. Exactly. And that's where they would reroute water through like fresh water and then build these huge like systems to transport the water. They said that they could fill the arena and it was when the hypogeum was there. Fill it and with all four of those channels working, they could drain that amount of water in less than an hour. Insanely fast and expensive. Because that's where the ships also came from. Yeah. The ships were in the hypogeum and they were put once they floated and the water was high enough, they could float out. They said the water only got to about five feet deep from a perspective of the actual arena floor. But guess what? You can't swim. You got bows and spears and shit sticking out of you and your little boat is on fire if you're one of these slaves. My only argument against the hypogeum being there. Would be that the wooden floor wouldn't be waterproof. No, no, I I agree. That's so, why I'm saying the water had to fill the hypogeum. Could have been, yeah. But then, do you? They had to switch then for a different event that afternoon. They said they could drain it, but what are you doing? Like, if there weren't, where were all the animals down there? Uh, they so would there probably might be some confliction in how it worked, if it worked at all. But that if if. I don't know why all those water channels and drainage would be there if they weren't pumping in water into this place. Yeah, because rainwater wouldn't be enough that you would need four. Or drainage. they at least tried it a couple times. Yeah. And they were like, eh, this ain't really fucking working. Maybe that's also why, if you're thinking about it, maybe that became like the stale thing. And they're like, another water battle. Yeah. Like, it's getting old. And then that's what fucking Domitian heard. And he was like, fuck it. We're that, done with the naval battles. Let's start burying animals yeah. under the under the fucking ground. And some of the other things that they would do, just as far as the naval battles go, Greek mythology played into it so much that 
these different plays and shows that they would do during the days. One of them, um, they would bring out a large mountain, and of course this would be another condemned man, and they would replay Icarus. Where they would they have would catapult him. his ass. Yeah. Yeah. Just they would actually strap fucking wings to a dude and they <laughs> would catapult him, him over into the fucking arena and to kill him. And the guy that would climb the mountain with the ball of wax or whatever it was that was on his back. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what that one was. Or like the guy destined to roll a stone up the yeah. hill or something. And like then that. when he would get to the top, they would just push him off and the stone yeah. would roll down and smush him in front of everybody. Like just shit like that where they were playing old cultural things back so people could actually see them. And there were announcers <laughs> for this kind of stuff. Like can after how many launches did they start keeping track of the the guy that went the furthest? Yeah. And they're like and what's he at, Jerry? And all of a sudden, one of the guys in the stadium comes up and marks his position. He's like, holds his thumbs up. He goes, we have a new record, people. <laughs> 65 Roman feet. It, it would just be stuff like that to almost reinforce the religious and kind of historical aspects so people could see it because there were always drawings and there was a lot of written or a lot of spoken word about kind of these old legends but they were showing these people in real time, like reenactments of these magical historical things, which if you're seeing that happen, that, excuse me to me, is going to reinforce the belief that that was something that actually happened. Mm-hmm. Because you can actually see it sort of playing out, albeit with a condemned man that's launched by a catapult 70 feet across the arena. That's true. But it was still happening. Um, yeah, so just the the absolute pageantry that went into all this from the guys that had, you know, characters that they would go out and play with different weapons, the animal beast hunts, the just weird kind of like midday killings. These people must've just been so much bloodthirstier than anything that I can think of today. Like in our town, um, there's an old prison and in the old prison, there's actually a hill on the outside of the prison wall where they would set up to do the hangings and people in town would actually go up to that hill and they would sit on the hillside and watch these dudes get hung. Mm -hmm. That was like maybe two or three on a Saturday. Yeah. There were tons and tons of people being murdered and killed and crucified in front of them. Over the course of the, the time that the Coliseum was in use, about a million estimated human deaths. That's human deaths. So as far as animals go, like I was saying, Around 11,000 animals a season. And I don't know how many. I assume it took them a while to get to a million humans. Yeah. I don't think that they were as frivolous with animal or with human lives as they were with animal lives. I'm guessing it was probably like a, I don't even want to know what the ratio was. Well, and you have to think too, there's a level of. um, You're bringing in animals also from literally all over the known world. Yeah, you have to go out and actually hunt them and procure them to bring them back. You didn't have a short supply of condemned people that were going to be come up and killed. Like, that was... No, no, no. I'm saying that I think it was a lot more animals than people. Oh, I I think that it was definitely more people because you would have prisons full of condemned people, whereas you would have to go down... Animals might have been more valued in in their eyes. Well, they just were harder to procure to bring in. And they had to probably pay for animals. Yeah, Uh, or like I say, just go out and actually hunt and transport these guys from North Africa. Like that all takes time. Well, I mean, you had the people in North Africa bringing you that shit to sell it to you. Cause they know you're going to buy it. Yeah. Just that 
a crazy amount of killing that these people watched, and they just had to have been built different. So how did you watch it? Explain to me this. We were, you, you put me off this conversation about the luxury boxes. Like, I want to talk oh, about yeah. the first the first stadium experience that all other stadiums nowadays copy. They had it right at this point with the Coliseum. You had front row right around where the action was. You had to you had to be a known you had to know people. A politician, somebody of a higher high class. Yes. You you had to be like Cream a team of the crop. Yep. And it just seems like to me I, I don't really know like where I would want to If you want to catch a separate sit. hand, like as a souvenir, yeah. you got to be right down there. That would be cool, but I feel like the best spot that you could be at is like between them and the pores that had to sit up in the, the top section. Stand the up women. in the top section. They looked at the seating. The seating is too narrow to actually. It was it was standing room only as you got higher up. It was kind of opposite as a con- of a concert. Yeah. Well, and even to think about it, the nosebleeds, you would almost be too high you, to see and everything. You weren't even really the pores at that point. You were just the people that couldn't afford to sit down there. Yeah, like common people got to come and watch because they had – it was constantly going. The 100 days of games was just the beginning of it. Yeah. It wasn't like they weren't using this all the time after. So you had you know all walks of life from, from Rome and everything and all around the world coming to, to see this thing. Kind of fucked up. They made most women sit up there too. Did they? Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, sort of a, a section for <laughs> – you want to know why they didn't want them getting closer look to the gladiator. So, like, my lady is starting to call me by this gladiator name. I heard her saying it in her sleep. Put him up in the nosebleeds where they can't fucking see. Can't make out his face. Yeah, that's right. But, uh, these luxury boxes just kind of seemed like, yeah, it's, it's the whole idea of what we see today to be able to have an area, basically like a room built out to where you could stand, you could sit, you would have servants bringing you all sorts of foods. Like it was just the creme de la creme. I'm sure there were people waving palm leaves up there, excuse me, to cool you off. Feeding you grapes. Yeah. Just would have been a really fun time. But, like, think about that. Like, they had the wherewithal to... You would think, if you were, like, boiling it down, like, well, the wealthiest people are going to want to sit in the luxury boxes, so we need to put those down right there at the very, very bottom. Mm. You had the wherewithal to know that the people down there wanted to be, like, up and, like, cheering and all that kind of shit. And then we'll go ahead and put the people that want to be more, you know, pampered up in the back. It's the exact same model that we do now. You have down on the field or courtside, and then elevated a little bit above them to view over everything is your luxury boxes. Yeah, and that's sort of what the newer stadiums, the older stadiums' luxury boxes, I think, are still pretty high. Mm-hmm. But as far as what Allegiant, I think it's you have 50-yard line and people down below, then you have the luxury boxes. Yeah, luxury boxes are below gap, the second tier. And yeah. then there's everything else. Yeah. So you, you were that close to the action down there. But, I mean, that... It's just crazy that that structure is still like it's still used today for that kind of stuff. Like they had the wherewithal that that was the the op. They found that that was the optimal way to view this shit. Yeah, we haven't found a better way than the Romans back in the early days of mm-hmm. AD. Um, when it changes over, I found this to be kind of interesting. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, when it becomes the Colosseum, when the Colosseum becomes the Colosseum. It was actually named after a statue that was moved close that was originally the Colossus of Nero. And instead of 
for some reason, I'm sure it was probably like time and resources. Instead of when you would have somebody fall out of favor like Nero, they didn't just tear his statue down. They just had them crawl up and recarve his face. <laughs> so we could still use it. Yeah, like the body and everything's the same thing. And people like, are like, oh, this is perfect. Nero has a really big face. Yeah. So we can do a lot of stuff here to make this look like someone we like. You'd have to imagine if you were carving a big statue of somebody and you kind of weren't a fan of them and you knew that they weren't going to be around for long. Like how you just it made the, like head the Sphinx's so much... head is smaller. Yeah. It's like, that's not right for the body. <laughs> the next head on it, it just keeps getting smaller yeah. and smaller as they carve it. The first dude that you know is an asshole, his head's going to be like twice the size because they know they're going to need relief to carve <laughs> another face into it. And that's what they did. They resculptured it into the Colossus Solus, um, which was after the Roman sun god Sol. So since the Colossus was right next to the uh, Flavian Amphitheater, it just became known as the Colosseum, which uh, is an interesting way to name it after a statue of a guy who owned the land that created his own temple that nobody else could go into. They knock his shit down, but for some reason they keep the statue and just reface him. And then they build the Colosseum, the Flavian Amphitheater on his land. Like just the, the whole idea of the way that they recycled something that was private and for the, the king essentially. Mm-hmm into something that was built for the people. It had to carry Vespasian so much in the people's eyes for them to be like, this guy built this shit so we could use it. Like, this was a multi-area for us. Can you imagine, like, I know Vespasian never got to see it complete, but the plans for, like, you know he had to have been, like, involved in the plans for what was going to happen. Oh, yeah. Because this had to have been, this wasn't something where you can just run down to the a fucking store and get party supplies or like schedule shit over on the internet. You basically had to be like five, five or plus years. Or when he first had the plan for this, he was probably like, okay, you guys go do the building plans. I'm going to go do the event plans for it and start to figure out like, what can we do here that no one has ever done before? They're like, let's get animals from all over the empire. He's like, great. Start sending fucking letters out. Cause we need people to capture animals, find out how to keep them alive then transport them here. If they die, we need to have time to go get more animals and bring them back. He's like, start getting in contact with all these fucking gladiators all over this place. Start having them run tournaments and all that kind of shit. Let's get the top guys here when we first get this thing open. And like, imagine any, any country that has a, has sports. So whether you're over football in Europe and all that kind of shit, if you have football here, United States, Soccer down in South America or football, whatever you want to call it. Imagine you had one stadium, a giant fucking stadium in comparison to what you have now in your country. I guess if you're saying that that was what the Coliseum could seat, this stadium would have to be at least a couple million seat stadium. Imagine something that spectacular. Yeah. And like... That is where all of the best things from around your entire nation come to happen. So, like, you get to go take a vacation there, and you basically get to see, like, the greatest fucking spectacle you've ever seen in your entire life. Like, that would be insane, like, to think about nowadays. Like, there's there's that in several places for several sports throughout every country. It, what the, the big house in Michigan uh, for the Wolverines, their football stadium... I think it holds like 100,000 people. Yeah. And it, it's an event, but it's not something that would like define your life. They can fill that for the they can fill that thing just every every Saturday. Yeah. And they have people that can't get tickets and can't get in. 
Like, think of something, like, so big that it would be what the Colosseum was to Rome, what it would be like to another country, like a million CC where people are just, like, watching. And then think of how good the events would have to be to go there. Like I was saying, we have people that are big fans that, like, a trip to the big house, a trip to Allegiant Stadium, a trip to Fenway Park. That's going to be, for some people, like a lifetime event that you're going to carry yourself through. But now it's so accessible that we can just kind of do that. Like most majorly large cities, most state capitals have sports teams where you can go do this. This was one place where you would travel all over the region to come to. And it would be something that you would tell your kids, your grandkids, if you were lucky enough or your family was fertile enough, like your great grandkids. You would be telling this story all the time that you went to the Coliseum, you went and saw the animal hunts. <clears throat> you went and saw a naval battle inside sure of this place. Sure you did, Grandpa. You're full yeah. of shit. Yeah. No, I swear to God, they took a jungle and made it grow out of the floor, and then tigers jumped out of the ground and mauled this guy to death. Well, just the amount of time that they ran this to, because... Adam, try to put yourself in the position of the guys that were put in charge of this to plan these things. Because you know someone just came in and was like, you... And he's like, what? He's like, you're in charge of figuring out cool shit to do in this place. Come with to me with some ideas. And everyone just looks at him. He's like, oh, shit. And and those people, like, think of if those people were known and those celebrities, those guys had to have been, like, celebrities in their own rights. Like, what's what's Bach is going to have for this week, man? I heard he's I heard he's on shift this week of event planning. Yeah, I would assume, too, the guy that... Uh schedule the magicians and acrobats if they sucked he probably got killed i was gonna say if you and think of how much pressure that was like if you had to run a bad events that didn't turn out the right way the crowd didn't respond well and it looked bad on the emperor you're that'd be like a fucking tv show writer like someone sees like what's the guy that does the office craig not craig daniels um fuck i can't remember what his name is now craig nelson no he's the dude that does like he did the office and (coughs) i'm sorry i'm not paying him his dues anyway it would be like, here, like King of the Hill, Mike Judge, whatever. Yeah. The writers of a show having a couple runs of bad episodes and then them just taking them back and being like, sorry, old friend, it's time to go. Well, if you think about it, too, any of the people that were condemned that knew they were about to die, what's the point of going along with this whole thing? Like, if you get rowed out on the boat and you know that these guys are coming to kill you, I'm just fucking jumping into the water and swimming away. Like, yeah, I, I, I'm not I'm, I'm not playing ball. I think that, that, I don't think, Adam, that the point was that these guys played <laughs> along. I think these guys were probably held at, like, sword point, pushed them out into the water. Some of them are, they're, they're shit in their pants. You just got brought from a prison through a fucking tunnel into this place where all you hear is the fucking stomping of feet, fucking metal banging, and just crowd going, all of a sudden, they walk you over, and now you're on a little fucking boat. You're like, what the fuck? I thought I was just in a building, and now I'm on a fucking boat? And with a bunch of other scared fucking guys shitting and pissing themselves, and as they open the doors, you look out into a fucking sea of shit, where it's just the crowd roaring for you to get fucking your head chopped off, and you see these other gladiators coming out on boats with fucking shit on fire and weapons, and you just don't have anything in your hands. Like what? And and no one would. How would you be prepared for this? Because it's not like Andy made it out of the last event and came back and was like, "Guys, you're gonna see some shit." <laughs> Anyone who went in there that was a fucking prisoner was killed. 
Well, and it went on for so long, too. You have to think, like, if you became a condemned person after going and seeing the show, and they're like, transport him to the Coliseum, you're like, fuck! Yeah. No! Just kill me now. Like, mm-hmm. don't take me in there. I'm not going to be a spectacle. Uh, where? Where now? <laughs> yeah. Where are we going? I'll, like, I'll pass to, on this. Like, to an event? You guys are taking me to an event? Awesome. Uh, no, no, no. You you will be one of the events. We're going to put him below. on... Uh, we got... Uh, we got another tiger. We got more tiger bait. He's like, what does that mean you got tiger bait? Ooh. It's it's exactly what, what it sounds like, going? man. What, do you want me to explain it to you? Yeah. You don't... I would immediately try to be killed before I went out there because I, I wouldn't be paraded around like that. No. It just... It wouldn't happen. I, I wouldn't play at all with this kind of stuff. But... Excuse me. You're, you're larger, man. You should try to win. Try to board one of the gladiator boats. Yeah, if you die, the or if you, you're not making it out of this scenario alive. You can like become a gladiator even, yourself and work to earn your freedom. <laughs> only in the movies, only yeah, for only Russell Crowe. But uh, this went on for so long. We're talking about um, 2007 or wow, 217 AD. So a hundred and forty-seven ish years, sometime around then. This is still going on. Um, a lightning strike hits the Colosseum, which I would assume it would have had Zeus to have was been, upset. Yeah, like a piece of bronze or something that was a conductor, and it was the tallest thing around. So I bet it was probably struck by lightning quite a bit. Yeah. This one just happened to strike inside yeah. on something. Because if it's striking the bronze, it's not going to light anything on fire. But these weren't just like... It's not what it is now. There was so much wood in this place. The entire floor was wood. And the entire floor, but also the third section that ended up burning down, the top section of it was all made of wood. Wooden seating and everything, like benches, wasn't it? I think it was all wooden construction for that top top level that you were on. Okay. Because it just burns out the entire section on top. Oh, gotcha. Okay. But uh, Yeah, it just... That was how quick it would happen. Like I say, with it being the tallest thing around, it had to get struck by lightning quite a bit. Yeah. Like it, we well, put metal on top of something tall. Well, when does lightning red. usually strike? It's when it's a storm, when it's raining. So if it's striking something wet, wet wood that's already been, it's not going to light it on fire. Yeah, dry All lightning takes, wood. Yeah, yeah. But, that, that goddamn dry lightning. <laughs> uh, if we started this in 80 A.D., uh, the last mention of any gladiator shows that were happening was 435 A.D. So we're talking about 350 years of gladiator battles going on. That makes the estimated one, 1 million dead make more sense. Yeah. Than the space dot. That's still so many fucking people. Oh, yeah. It, well, and I mean, I'm not going to try to do that math, but a million people over 350 years, that's tens of thousands of people, I think, that are at least Hundreds a thousand thousands, people, yeah. probably, that are dying a year. So you have to think that the amount of people that they were running through. And Gladiator shows would, it changed shape after a while. Well, and it's not like, here's the thing, too, is it's not like it was constant Gladiator-like fucking battle royales every night. So, like, it got to the point where events could have been, you know, held more for, you know, special events and things mm-hmm. like that, where they still had things. The last gladiator battle could have been even something considered, like, a, a last hurrah, where they were like, it's the sending off, we're no longer doing this anymore, it's the last one we're going to do. Every fight is to the death. It, exactly, or we're bringing, we're bringing back all your favorite gladiators, it's gladiator <laughs> mania. But, I mean, that was the last gladiator, that wasn't the last use of it for oh, certain no. stuff that... No, that was yeah. just the last gladiator fight. Yeah, animal hunts went on into the sixth century. So, 
what we always talk about that it would be into the 500s that they were still doing animal hunts in there so you were still getting them people in there to actually watch these animal hunts going on just to see like which man means versus that nature. people were still getting killed in there too because these animals yeah, were always losing very true yeah it wasn't just the animals losing mm-hmm. at that point but, but the weird thing that happens over the kind of coming centuries in so much of it i think played into the Christian church and the Catholic, uh, I think I'm going to get it right this time. Catholicism. There you go. That I've been working on it. The Catholicism that took over the area sort of started pushing away from like, Hey, we probably shouldn't be killing all these people in front of you guys. Like hey maybe guys, the savior bad. <laughs> in our new religion, killing's bad. Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's maybe try to save everybody that's watching these souls and not see all this murder and violence and everything like that. Um, just over time, they had actually put a church inside of the Colosseum. Of course they did. And they were converting some of the areas down below in those archways that you were talking about into like shops and housing and just a few other areas to kind of use it as more of like a, a living space. Stephen, where are the children? Oh, they're in the old weapons room. It's okay. (laughs) Yeah. you're just cool with living in this place that a million people have died in. Uh-huh. That all the blood that is soaked through the sand in the wood just fucking soaked into the ground that you're now sleeping on. Yeah. And uh, there don't, was a- Don't worry about the possible fucking haunted souls infesting <laughs> this place. Daddy, I hear noises at night. It's just the gladiators fighting <laughs> restlessly above you. It's your ching, ching, mm-hmm. ching. What is that? Um, the, the church, I guess the, the Pope... Um, at one point had moved out of Rome and like traveled to somewhere else to live. Like Rome wasn't the holy point of the Catholic religion. Hmm. And as people Is are, this like pre Vatican city, uh, I believe so. Okay. So after he leaves Rome, you start to see an emptying out of the people that lived in Rome. Cause they were going to follow the Pope where mm-hmm. he went. We followed the Pope. And it basically turned into like a ghost town. Like they'd all but abandon it. And they, um, uh, it would be like a hideout for like thieves and criminals as they were being chased out of these cities for these crimes that they were committing. They were showing up and just living in the Coliseum as like a safe house. So that'd be the most badass safe house. Oh yeah. Just the attempts over so many years. Um, so that was like right around the 14th century that it became abandoned kind of right in the middle of the 14th century. Does it ever kind of strike you like how, those people had to have viewed those landmarks. Like we look back at it as like, how could you ever let that thing fall into disrepair? Like you, you look at it and you're like, why would you not do everything you can to preserve that thing that is so beautiful? Like, you know, here we don't have old shit like that. We have shit that we'd made to like, look like that old shit, but it's not that old. It's 250 years old. If even that. Yeah. Like, but we designed it to look like the Roman shit. Mm -hmm. And they just have stuff where it was always, at at what point does something just become like dilapidated and shit? Like there's old buildings that you see, like I'm from a small town and every time I drive through, there's this big old brick building. It's old as shit that hasn't been used in decades, like at least 50 years, but they just won't knock it down or do anything. So it's just like this, you get so used to it there. But then at what point do you look back on that and say, well, oh shit, that's historical. Like that, that's been standing for this long. Yeah. So like you have these generations of like in the 14th century, 
they're looking at this thing and they're using it as like a crack den. <laughs> and, and it's the fucking Colosseum. Yeah. So they don't have, they're just looking at this old fucking structure that's been in Rome forever. Like, let's go hide out at the Colosseum. Well, and if something's always been there and it's just never been used for anything that you were a part of, I'm sure it just becomes like a piece of the landscape. Like, you you don't understand the marvel. Because it's the, always been there. Yeah. It's just an yeah, old you, building. You can't appreciate the engineering because it's been there for a while. It's been there for a really long time. But at the same time, it never was not there. So building it doesn't seem like it's the big feat that it is. Yeah. Uh, you have to get someone from outside to come in and be nah. like, what the fuck is yeah. that? They're like, oh, it's they used to fucking kill people in there. What? It's fucking huge. Yeah, they killed a lot of people yeah. in there. Yeah. You guys should really like give tours of that thing. <laughs> the sand on the floor is mostly iron from all the blood mm-hmm. that's just evaporated. It tastes like you can taste pennies <laughs> when you're walking across it. Uh, right around kind of that, Ending of the 14th century, I think, is when it was. Uh, there was a pretty big earthquake that collapsed that whole entire south side of that outer ring. So that's where well, you, and then see you can the, see the, and then you can see the three inner rings, yeah, of like that first that first concourse or whatever it is. And it said that that was the side that collapsed because as they were going through and stripping the. Uh, stone and everything mm-hmm. off of it to use for their purposes. They were pulling those metal clamps out on the other side that kept standing. They still had metal clamps in there. So they think that the structural integrity of those metal clamps like holding rebar. In, yeah. It's in, from the outside. Yeah. Basically it's like chicken. It's like wire meshing across. It, okay. Kind of. Yeah. So once that goes, it is basically just like a free for all again, the same way that they were stealing the, the travertine and everything off the front of it. When they were building new stuff, instead of going to the quarry and having to mine rocks, there's like, there's a big old pile of crumbled take it stone from over the there. Coliseum. Yeah, let's just take some Colosseum rocks and start building our shit out. Honey, I want a new garage. <coughs> Fuck. Okay, I'll go down to the Colosseum and get a bunch of bricks. Uh, 16th century, church is trying real hard to figure out two situations. They need to figure out something to do with the Coliseum, and they need to try to get prostitutes off the street because prostitutes have to be the anti-religion. So they were talking about installing a wool factory inside of the Coliseum to give the skin merchants a job and take them off the streets. You, so. just, the, you just pitched me holy shirts and pants from Wedding Crashers. Yeah. So we take the whores, and then we give them the wool, and then we send them to the Coliseum, and then they knit the wool. In, into socks for everybody. So we're helping the whores. The whores are helping the other people by knitting the wool. Everybody wins and we're using the Coliseum for something. <laughs> yep, there you go. Luckily, the Pope that came up with that idea died and they're like, this is a fucking dumb idea. I feel like this Pope was just trying to get all the whores in one place. Yeah, we can't stop prostitution. Mm-hmm. Let's just let them back out into the streets and yeah. let's abandon the wool factory idea. You just see, after like a week, you just see a bunch of like prostitutes with wool hats. <laughs> they're, they're like, what's with all the fucking wool hats, all the prostitutes? Just sitting on the side of the road crocheting just things knitting. together. Like, this hey. is how I pass the time. Yeah. Hey, what are you doing tonight? Uh, how let much, me finish how much up you, this scarf. How much do you charge? Uh, like 10 dinar for this, 5 dinar for this, and I'm selling my mittens for 3 dinar <laughs> each. <laughs> a blowies, 10 bucks. Handies, 5 bucks. Set of mittens, 3 bucks. Uh, <laughs> I, I'll do them wearing the mittens for 15. <laughs> so I don't know where the Christians kind of got off on this idea. And I'm not saying that it didn't happen this way, but it just seems sort of weird. 
Um, they considered that there were a lot of martyrs for Christianity that had died. Like the Romans were sacrificing Christians. It's so weird how like a religion used to be able to come into some place. Yeah. And take over. And I don't Just like know a force, if, like a, I, a rebel force. Exactly. And I know that that like is a fear for people, except more so it's now like they're going to take our jobs and like that kind of stuff in there. Oh, they're, they don't want us to shoot kids in school. Like that kind of crazy <laughs> shit. Yeah. But there were legitimate times where it was just like, you'll be talking about something like, and so the Catholics did this and then the Christians, they did this. And you're like, wait, when did the Christians show up? You're like, oh yeah, the Christians were just showing up all the fucking. They just rolled in down. They rolled in. But it's like, how did that happen? Did like one guy come in and stand on a box and was like, this is Christianity. And he finally got like three guys to listen to him. And then all of a sudden he had five guys listening to him. Yeah. Like, no, it's more just like, it seems like it comes in a fucking wave. And then all the Catholics get chased out. Yeah, well, you're just proselyting on the streets, and you're not getting everybody, but you're getting enough to where your forces Is that are starting how it to grow. I, I'm sure. And <clears throat> I don't really know if there were, like, military fights or anything like that. But uh, We let you pull out during sex. Yeah. And everyone's like, let's go listen to the Christians. We're tired of leaving it and having more kids. That guy makes way more uh-huh. sense. We'll let you wear stuff <laughs> over it, so maybe it won't happen. They're like... God damn it. The guy, the Catholic guy is just like, uh, uh, you just see the Christian guy come into town and he's got like a flock of lambs behind him to make lambskin condoms. You're like, we got to kill that guy. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to no. make some protection for everybody. So well, we the can't first couple guys kid. probably didn't make it far in the town. They're like, we got to send these, these guys, <laughs> these, their lambs with some bodyguards. That guy's either fucking all those lambs or he's making some sort of a prophylactic mm-hmm. to stop people from getting pregnant. So what did they end up doing with the Stations of the Cross? They actually, in 1749, they built in, I, I don't know, plead ignorance on this one. I don't know what the fuck the Stations of the Cross are. I think it's like they built crosses and put like effigies for Jesus on there and like the way that he was set up. I I, I really don't know. Yeah, that's what it kind of sounded like. It could be. I mean, that that wasn't really my, my church experience. I had no idea what the fuck that is. But they built it in there as like a monument to all the Christian martyrs that were killed, that that blood was spilled in there, when there's really like no record of it, and there's actually other places in Rome. I'm not saying that the Christians weren't martyred. They actually had like other specified areas where they would do it in public. Here's the thing. Like when they're like, they fed the Christians to the lions. To be fair, they fucking fed everyone to the lions. It wasn't like, yeah, there were some fucking Christians in there. There were probably some Muslims in there. There were probably some Catholics. They fucking fed their own to the lions. So like, guess what? Everyone got fed to the lions. You weren't being fed because of your faith. You were being fed because you were just a condemned person. A little bit. I've been like a religious person. <laughs> well, they could have been condemned because of their religion. That's but it just and In that situation, uh, then, yes. The whole thought process. But like I say, they, they believed that all this was happening just for like the show of the Romans. Yeah. When there's like parts of the city that are just known for like, oh, well, that's where they killed all the Christians. Like other mm-hmm. other spots where they were doing it. So... Could have been, could have not been. Listen, Christians, you guys are on the other end of a lot of killings yourselves. Yeah, nobody's so let's maybe let's maybe not be pointing fingers where people are killing other people. Nobody's hands are clean in history. That's just, you want to go back to the Crusades. Uh, go back to the episode and listen on the Crusades. There's a lot of that shit going on. Yep. So fast forward all the way to the 1930s. Uh, I found it kind of interesting that Mussolini actually fully excavated the Colosseum site. And over time, there were like, it was almost like there were ecosystems 
of different plants that were growing inside of the abandoned Coliseum. Like in they, the hypogeum? Yeah, well, yeah. but like crawling up into the stands. And they said that there were different parts because they believed that the animals that they were bringing in were carrying That's seeds right, from other that. parts of like different countries. And animals that would get <clears throat> killed in like, because they would just drag them into the bottom of the hypogeum and shit like that. Yeah. And they would eventually like rot a little bit before they got them out of there. So And then they shit. The animals that were so shitting down there too. So any seeds that you would be eating from there, you're getting all these plants from all over these areas where you brought these poor innocent animals in to die and they just happen to bring a couple like seeds the, along this the This plant ride. only grows in fucking Africa. The fuck is it doing here? And they're like, remember all those elephants that killed? Oh, yeah. That's right. There's a lot That's of elephants. Right. Um, so, yeah, Mussolini for some reason cleared it all out and he had this grand plan of basically like cutting a road down the center of Rome and it would be like a, a super highway that you could walk down and see all of these different elements and all these mm-hmm. different famous historical sites in Italy. Uh, he didn't get to finish it because of a thing called the Second World War that just sort of showed up. Mm-hmm. So they had abandoned that. And there had been, you know, a little bit of upkeep here or there, I'm sure, to make sure that it didn't crumble at all. But it took until really like 1993 for them to be like, we got to restore this that's so fucking ridiculous right yeah this has been around for 1800 and like 10 years there's so many people that have pieces of the coliseum at home oh yeah that like we're just able to up to that point been like yeah i went and saw the coliseum would you get anything yeah i fucking chipped a piece of stone off of it i may or may not know a a teenage boy that did that over there okay (laughs) i think i live with him (laughs) (laughs) but so there's been a lot of like restoration projects um, recently. I think there's been one where they actually have scaffolding up around like certain portions of the Coliseum. And so they're actually, they're cleaning it because the color that it is right now is just from like all the buildup of dirt and shit and grime over the years. So they're trying to get it back to like the original color, but not like the trapertine tile mm-hmm. color because they can't do that, but like the original stone color. Well, and there were so many imprints and there were areas that they would paint just to like bring out different areas of it as far as popping it and to catch your eye and all that kind of stuff. That's what's so fucking crazy is like whenever you see something, I can't remember which, we were talking about a monument or something like that on one of the past episodes, but it was about what color it actually was. And how amazing it would have been. It might oh, have been one. It was on, the Babylonians and the Blue Gate. And the Blue Gate, that's right. But to actually see these things in the color that they were intended, like, you know, flags flying up that were like brightly colored, like over the Coliseum, and seeing this thing gleam in like white and like this bronze, like shined bronze yeah. and statues and shit. Like, we look at it now and you're like, that's fucking incredible. Like, you look at it the way it is. And like, how did that fucking get built? Look at the craftsmanship. And it's not. Of, it's just the bones of it. Yeah. It's a fraction of what the the beauty of it was until because all of that cosmetic shit was what made it like just fucking stand out. Like we, this is the fucking shit. We're left down with like the functional part of it. Didn't get to see the opulence. And it's of still the way so fucking decorated. crazy. Yeah. Like and we it's can still, still see a, the arches. work of art. Exactly. Like it's just a shame that like there there's no, I mean, there's accounts of what it looked like, but you can only use your renderings or your imagination. Yeah, you're just going off of the the best carving that you can find. I'm not trying to praise like essentially a death camp, but like from a structural engineering standpoint, like this thing's fucking in it's it's insane. This is one of those things to me where like 
I really can't hold a lot of like the killings and murder stuff. Not only because this comes from a time when this shit was just it happened all yeah. the time, but at the same time, it's been so long that you can't really. I just can't re- feel emotion for people that died nineteen hundred yeah. years ago. Like Ain't it, no one killing anyone in there right now. I don't know. I don't think anybody's dying in there now. That's what I said. Ain't nobody killing anybody yeah, in there now. Yeah, so it just kind of becomes a monument more to the architecture than what it held. Mm-hmm. And when that kid that I know that might or might not have stolen the rock from the Coliseum was there, they hadn't started building over the top of the... Uh, Hypogeum. Hypogeum. Mm-hmm. So all you were able to do was look down and see just like the labyrinth of how it looked. Mm-hmm. And it literally looked like you would just be down there fighting in a maze. And now some of the documentaries I think that you and I both watched and just to see now, they've actually built that arena floor back over part of it. Mm-hmm. And one of their parts of the restoration that they're doing today is they're trying to figure out a floor that they can take all the way across and then bring it all the way back. So almost like a uh, like a retractable floor okay. that they can put out there, so they can actually do like different um, recreations of shit that they were doing recreations I of you're back then. Say, hold like a Taylor Swift concert at the Coliseum or some shit. It's uh, it's only a matter of time before that happens. They've done concerts like outside of it where that was the backdrop yeah. of the Coliseum, but there's just no way that they could ever use yeah. it. I I think nowadays you can do tours of everything in there pretty much, but. It's like there's only so many people at a time that can be oh, in yeah, a structure definitely. that big and that old. <laughs> One thing, too, in that series, just like I don't know why I thought about this. When they were like lifting up the frame and moving it over, and it was trying to like build up the suspense, it's like this crane can only take 2,000 yeah. pounds. I, I'm going to call horseshit on that. They had tourists walking back and forth, everyone walking back and forth underneath this crane. The entire time. There is no fucking way that that is going to happen, that there's going to be tour groups in there walking underneath the fucking thing that they're raising over if there's any safety concern. I appreciate the hustle for the buildup of drama. And it was still incredible what they did. I think they just had to, you know, fudge the danger factor a little bit to keep people engaged. They didn't need to do that. It was called the the Roman death trap. They didn't need to... To do this to the show. So, oh. Nova, I'm looking at you guys. Fix it. Yeah, what Chris is referencing is when they built the um, cat pole to go put down in there to kind of test the theory of it. Yeah. It was so big that they couldn't get it inside, like, through an archway or anything they like that. They couldn't build it inside. Yeah, they because they had to build it in these specific holes that were in the mm-hmm. walls of the, the GM down there to make it all happen. So they actually had to take a crane and lift it over the side of the Coliseum and set it down in there. And this is the biggest crane that I had ever seen before. But it doesn't matter how heavy that is. If you're doing that, the risk factor in you wrecking into something that's been standing for almost 2,000 years, it could be you could be taking in a ton of feathers. If you have any sort of fuck-up or there's a strong wind if or there's an operator error... Yeah, for damage or possible destruction to part of the Coliseum, I think they would revoke your citizenship for that country. Yeah, or they just bring in and let a lion loose, mm-hmm. let a wolf loose, and just tear your ass up. It just uh, the level of risk that they we did. never heard from Benicio again. <laughs> but how cool would it be that they actually did that, and you can go to the Coliseum and see the exact way—not maybe not the exact, but the 
best guess that we Dude, have. That was of amazing. The fact that, that you had people like wanting to like people that had the authority over that like monument, and they were like, "Fuck yes, let's do this. This will draw eyes. This will yeah. draw people." Like, why aren't you fucking doing that? That's genius. Yeah, props to them for actually allowing that. I was just saying that. They didn't need to hype that up by doing the danger factor. Just like get it in there, get it in there, and show me how it fucking works. Because I was jazzed to see how that thing was going to get yeah. that animal up there. But all right, man, did we miss anything? No, I, I absolutely. Some of the things that we do are sort of a, for lack of a better term, a slag when you're doing research because there's always so much sadness that goes along with it. Being able to take the emotional element of all the people and animals that died in this, it was just so interesting to see how, and we've had this discussion multiple times, and I'm not going to make this long, but the thought of like there were other more advanced civilizations before us that we don't know about, mm -hmm. to think that these people were more or less 2,000 years behind us, and they were coming up with shit that would be the same way that we would do it now, had that... Um, population been able to just continue advancing without being taken over by something else or mm -hmm. a religion or, or something army or anything from, like that. from the inside yeah i thought about that too the, the model not a, like the whole thing the insane coliseum the gladiatorial combat we basically saw that and we were like what can we legally do with that and the game of like and i know it's evolved differently but it's it's football yeah we've also football, taken models rugby. of that We've also done pro wrestling. Yeah. Has taken models from that about two men going one-on-one. -on -one. Like, pro wrestling takes the aspect of the battle part of it. Pro football takes, like, the scope of it, of watching these events in, like, in, in the round, in giant. And and then everybody uses the pageantry element. And then of it. everybody uses the pageantry element of it. But, yeah, it's just insane to see, like, kind of the, you know, when they always say, this is the granddaddy of them all. Like, mm -hmm. this is the granddaddy of, like, modern spectacle. And, well, and it became one of the modern seven wonders of the world. Yeah. Like uh, we call this modern seven wonders of the world, but it was built back in ancient times. Like the, uh, I'm not positive about this. I'm going to throw this out there as kind of a wild take. Uh, the lighthouse in Alexandria, mm -hmm. was that still around when the Colosseum was built? I don't think so. Okay. No, I don't believe so. Okay. Cause I was going to say that close of an overlap to being something that's a modern Marvel now and an ancient Marvel. Yeah. Like that's a, a crazy thought. I know. All right, guys. Well, thanks again for joining us. Hope you guys learned something and enjoyed the episode. And we will see you next week. Peace. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for joining us for another episode. If you like what you heard, hit that subscribe and like button. Follow us. If you didn't like what you heard, still hit that anyway, because we'll probably cover something in the future that you do like. Um, please follow us on our social media. Adam, hit him with it. Uh, our Instagram is historically high pod, historically high pod. And we are on Twitter at historically high. That's historically H.I. All right. And if you guys want to send in any feedback, suggestions, hit us up on those two, or you can even do it on Gmail. It's historicallyhighpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, thanks again. Peace.